Here, Keith, try one of these. What was it? It's called a tequila sunrise. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> Good, isn't it? Where's, oh, where's Charlie? It's up your nose, man. No, I mean, uh, I mean, I mean our drama, Charlie. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Where's our drama? Anyway, listen, man. I've, I've been thinking for a name for our new tour. Oh, yeah, yeah, me too, man. What have you come up with? Uh, I've come up with the jingles of Nazareth. Oh, I fucking love it. Do you love it? I love it. Well, another thing I was thinking about, dancing knickers of Jezebel. Oh, that's a good one. Is yeah. that good as yeah, well? Yeah, that's really good, Keith. What about you? Oh, I was thinking either, like, Lips, Hits, Zits and Tits or the Sticks and Stones tour, man. Because, like, <sighs> you know, like, names will never hurt me. Do you know what I mean? Like, who are you? Who am I? You're Keith, man. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, uh, you're Mick. Yeah, yeah, and we're like the Rolling Fucking Stones. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mmm, this drink, man. What's it called again? The Tequila Sunrise. Oh, Tequila Sunrise. Oh, man, Tequila Sunrise. That's what we should call our tour. Oh, wow, yeah, like the Tequila Sunrise Tour. Even better, what about the Cocaine and Tequila Sunrise Tour? Oh, I love it, man. I love your mind. It's one of my best features. It really is, Keith. Ah, I'm going to go and find Charlie. Yeah, I'll come with you. Charlie! 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 Hi, my name's Paul. And my name is Speedy Gonzalez. And you're listening to... No Garnish! How you doing, Reese? Uh, I'm okay. Speedy Gonzalez, rather. Speedy Gonzalez. That was one of my favourite cartoons as a kid. Yeah. And I said to someone who was Argentine, I said to her, like, yeah, you remember Speedy Gonzalez? And I was like, you know, you're from uh, South America. Do, do they say, like, I caramba? And she was like, no. <laughs> She's like, I've never no. heard of that. No. South American stereotypes. Yeah. Let's try and avoid that, shall we? Shall we? But then we're going to get into a whole uh, political discussion about <laughs> yeah, okay, let's are not... we allowed to do stereotypes or yeah. not anymore? Well. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I don't know how offensive they are because if a foreign person came up <laughs> to me and went, oh, hello. I would like a cup of tea, which they have done before. Okay. I don't, I'm not offended by it. I'm just like, yeah, that's a sort of Englishman. There is a certain type of Englishman. Or if they went, all right, governor, how are you doing? Can I have some apples and pears? I'd be like, well, that is a caricature of a type of English person. But I don't really care. I'm just like, yeah, whatevs. Okay. Personally speaking, I might not be offended by that. Yeah. But I will think, you're a bit of a dick, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> so I think maybe that's one reason not to do racial stereotypes. Because <laughs> even if it if it isn't actually that offensive, you are just a penis. Yeah, you're lost. But are you even allowed to say you are a penis anymore, or can you only say you are a non-gender specific piece of anatomy? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like as a man, I, I say to people, like, you are, you know, you're a dick or you're whatever. I guess I use the C-bomb quite a bit, actually. So, 
Yeah, I was going to say, because being a man, I tend to use, like, male anatomy to describe awful people. But then I think, well, I do say the C-bomb quite a bit. So I use both, really. Yeah. Good for you. Equal opportunities. (laughs) Equal opportunities. (laughs) I love how the C-bomb, though, isn't as bad as it used to be. Yeah. It's kind of been downgraded, hasn't it? It's more accepted, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in, and thanks for listening. You know, it's lovely to invite you back. Nice to be back. For me and Paul, we've actually had um, a little bit of a, a break. It's almost been like a little three-week break because uh, we racked up a recorded, load. Yeah. And actually, I've had about uh, a good sort of two-week kind of by myself because people have left the studio to go on holiday and they're not here. I think when Paul came in, he could see the nuttiness in my eyes. <laughs> You've been going a bit stir crazy. I'm going you? a little bit crazy, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm here to save you, my friend. Save me? Oh, my God. Um, save my soul! I just wanted to bring up a couple of little things. Yeah, before uh, we get into the show, we got some stuff happened. Yeah, messages definitely. Messages and that kind of thing. Yeah, so we've got a couple of messages. Thank you so much to Guy. Guy said that he um, listened to our Christmas special hey, recently. Hey, Christmas exorcist. Yeah, and he thought it was absolutely bonkers. And actually... Uh, on that note as well, my mate Ian um, sent me a message saying that he had just listened to it as well. Oh, right. So kind of listening to it in February. He loved it, though. He just loved the weirdness of it all. And actually, I think for us, we've not really talked about The Christmas Exorcist on the show. No, no, I think we, I told you that we will never speak of it. We'll never speak about no. it. Oh, right. I'm no. breaking that rule. Yeah. But we put so much work into it. I feel like we should talk about it. No. Is this all going to get cut then? No, they can mention it. But we can't. I will never speak of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just one of those things that we did that you never talk about. Yeah, it's like one of those nights, you know. <laughs> did um did our friend our friend uh emailed in, didn't he? He did indeed. Patrick. Patrick. Let me tell you what Patrick said. It, it was quite a big email. I know exactly who Patrick is as well. Do you? Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. yeah. I had my suspicions on the second voice note. Right. Because funnily enough. He sounded a little bit like the impression he did of a studio a studio manager that we had 10 years ago when I had the Octopus Gallery. Oh, right. And I'm pretty sure that I know exactly who it is. Okay. But, you know, Patrick, we'll play along. So Patrick, if you don't remember, a couple of episodes ago, he sent in the message. And we were a bit confused because from the same email address, someone else had sent a voice message. Right. Patrick has sent a very long and lengthy email explaining this whole situation. Yes. And I just love that. I don't believe it for a second, but I love that he's put so much time and thought into it. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing that they meet up in an arts club and listen to our Well, that's the scenario, that there's a group of people yeah that meet up in an art center to listen to no garnish and also like he they also listen to the international judo podcast as well yeah i thought that was great and i can't imagine i can't imagine how judo translates to a podcast (laughs) (laughs) it probably translates to a podcast about as well as cocktails i would say (laughs) do you think (laughs) (laughs) in his voice message he says he's off to feed the peacocks right right you made a comment about that you hope that one of them's called patrick patrick the peacock yeah and he's he's sent back the names of all these peacocks oh yeah what are they called again you got pericles pericles atletico hatchback <laughs> crack lounge louis <laughs> 
by-election. By-election. And my personal favourite, the artist formerly known as Trombone Susan. <laughs> I think that name is genius. <laughs> um, and he's thinking of adopting another one, and he wanted to know if we suggest a name for him. Yeah, Moon Nipples. Moon Nipples. Yeah. Good name. <laughs> I um, I love the fact that he's got so many peacocks. Well, I guess once you get one, you just want another one. They're quite addictive peacocks. I imagine so. Do you think he has a secondary living selling peacock feathers that come off the peacocks? Yeah, puts them in little bags, sells them to craft shops. Yeah. So maybe he pays for the rent for the art centre in peacock feathers. I like the fact that he just goes around his life paying with peacock feathers. <laughs> he just goes and does a Sainsbury shopping with peacock feathers. Because they're very hypnotic, aren't they? Who can refuse a peacock uh, well, feather? Well, precisely, yeah. Right, should we get into the episode? Yeah, okay. So, Paul, thank you so much. You have made me a... Tequila Sunrise! Tequila, tequila! Ah, umbre, umbre. I've made you an original Tequila Sunrise. Oh, there lovely. Are, there are two versions which Ooh. people may or may not know. So the original yeah. is from Mexico in the 1930s. Okay. And the modern one, which most people are familiar with, is from America in the 1970s. Oh, right, okay. This is the original one. It's often miscredited. Is that right? This is one of those things where you realise how misinformation gets just duplicated. So the common story is that it was created in Arizona in the 1940s. Right. But actually, when you try and find the roots of that, yeah. the earliest evidence for that is 2010. Right. There's right. no actual evidence before this century for that story. Right. But you can actually find solid evidence in the form of menus that it was created in the 1930s in Agua Caliente, which was a hotel, spa and casino just outside of Tijuana, Mexico. What does a Caliente mean? Agua Caliente. Yeah. Hot springs. Hot springs. Yeah. So think of like Mexican version of bath. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Okay. Well, Mexican yeah. bath. So, the original Tequila Sunrise, nothing like the later one. No. I've, I absolutely love it. It is so tasty. It's sweet, it's peppery, it's got a lovely colour to it. It's very refreshing. I think this is a top drink. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. You've got uh, a metaphor. No, I, I, the thing is, I'm not, I'm not some sort of workhorse, man. I'm not just going to like, you can't just snap your whip and then I just come to attention. Don't want, I don't, you know, you can't force this genius in me. You know, no. it either comes or it doesn't. Although if you do snap your whip, I might come to attention. Oh. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'm seeing red horses, man, Ooh. galloping in on red clay. There was a racetrack at Agua Caliente. Was there? Yeah, that was part of the resort experience. And I'm hearing the theme of Black Beauty being played on trombones. Oh, like a mariachi version. <laughs> yeah. Of... Oh, I'm going to see if I can find that. A Tawana brass version of the theme to Black yeah. Beauty. Yeah. I, I, that's my mission now. And then, you know, when the bit goes like, bruh, bruh, instead they go like, Tequila, Tequila! La, 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 So, yeah, there we go. That, I think that's about as much as I can come up with. Is that right? Yeah, a, a musical one, this one. <laughs> a musical one. I yeah. love it, yeah. Yeah. So that reminds me of, um, I'd spent a few days in Mexico years ago when I was travelling, and I remember being really harassed by a mariachi band. Oh, really? I can't remember the name of the town that we're in, but <laughs> <laughs> like they were fucking everywhere, and they were just constantly harassing me. <laughs> and I remembered that there was a point where I'm standing under this like thatched awning, yeah. 
kind of like in the dark, trying yeah. to hide from the mariachi bands. <laughs> and I can feel water coming down on me. And I'm thinking, hang on, I'm under a roof. Why is there water coming down on me? So I stepped out from the awning, looked up, and sat on that thatch right above me. It was a cat pissing on me. <laughs> Oh no! That's my, me- that's my memories of Mexico. Oh my god! Oh my god! That's amazing! I love it that you were be- that you were like sort of haunted by them, a bit like uh, Prisoner Forty Seven in um, in uh, that thing. The prisoner. What, the prisoner. Yeah, like like. Is he- Mar- I don't remember Mariachi. No, no. But instead of like a, a big ball, oh, it's Mariachi the- <laughs> everywhere he turns. He- you're trying to leave the town, and they're just like playing at you. Into- so you can't go out. It was a bit like that. <laughs> well, what did you think of Mexico? I've never been. I say I wasn't there for very long, and we were just in that one town, and we did um, diving in cenotes, which are underground caverns oh of fresh God. water. Crazy. Yeah, beautiful. You're not scared really of sharks. Beautiful. There's no sharks in those caverns. What about aliens? What about alien sharks? It did look very alien. Did it? Yeah, alien landscape. Wow. Yeah, the way the light, they were like, because there were holes in the roof of the cavern and you got these shafts of sunlight oh my God. coming through. Beautiful, really beautiful. You're like bloody Nathan Drake from Uncharted, aren't you? <laughs> That's what it looked like, a scene from bloody Uncharted, hell. yeah. Was Mexico like how I imagine it based on the stereotypes? Like, the reason why I don't want to go to Mexico is because I'm worried that if I get out of the car, um, I'll be kidnapped and for ransom and uh, because I, I saw a video um, that someone was saying online and they were like don't believe all the hype don't believe all the misinformation he said like you know when I when I went to Mexico I was told not to leave the resort right. because it would be really dangerous and he said I've been living here five years in, in downtown and it's fine Right. he said you know all this information is just to keep you spending your money in your in the resort and so yeah. Yeah. yeah right so uh, yeah so this is the original Tequila Sunrise. Make no mistake, the original Tequila Sunrise was from Mexico. And so it's tequila, creme de cassis, grenadine, fresh lime juice, dash of Angostura bitters, topped up with soda water. Yeah. I would say that that is probably one of my favourite cocktails now. Oh, wow. I could really drink a lot of those in the summer. I might drink a lot of those it's in nice the summer. It's nice and light, isn't it? It's really light. Yeah, it is one of my favourite tequila cocktails, actually. Is it? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 got everything. It's kind of sweet and sour, but not too much of either. I think because it's got the soda water, it's nice and bright, minerally. Mm. It feels very natural. It, mm. Yeah, I love yeah. It. It's a really good cocktail. Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to describe it. Really natural. Yeah. It almost feels holistic. It almost feels like it's good for you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Might not be good for your body, but it's good for the soul. It is indeed. And you put an olive in it as well. No, no, that's one of those nice cherries. Oh! Mmm! Yeah. They're so good, aren't they? These cherries make me happy. Yeah. I could just buy a box of these and just sit eating them. Yeah. Do you think I should do that the weekend? And being like Dionysus. Diabetes. And I have a little, a little loincloth. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll sit on a pillow eating these cherries. I think that's going to be my weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I can just picture that. It's a lovely image. <laughs> Me on a pillow in a loincloth. So it's essentially this original tequila sunrise. It's essentially ranch water with a sweetener. You ever heard of ranch water? Ranch water sounds like something out of my gay fantasies. 
What? what Sorry, maybe I shouldn't. I shouldn't carry on with that. <laughs> My gay fantasy is a ranch. How water. filthy is it? Because I have no idea what that could be. I don't know. It's just like when I think of ranch, I just think of like hunky, sweaty ranch men, okay. like wrangling horses and bulls and stuff. Right. And when you said ranch water, I just imagined like just vast amounts of their just sweat everywhere <laughs> being oh, like mixed okay. in with it all maybe I could be the ball that they uh, wrangle you'd like that wouldn't you <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. You should try. You should try this at home. You're into your tequila. This is one of the nicest tequila drinks you can make. Ranch water. All it is is tequila, lime juice, and soda water. Oh, is that what ranch juice is? It's what ranch water. Ranch water. Ranch juice is what you were just describing. <laughs> oh, maybe that's what I heard. Ranch oh, juice. Okay. Mmm, ranch juice. So yeah, that's what ranch water is. Say it again. So tequila, lime juice, and soda water. Is that it? That's it. Oh right. Okay. Surprisingly good. Oh, do you know what? Soda water, I've been drinking a lot of recently. Because actually soda water is a really good thing to get into as you get to a certain age. Hmm. Because you get to a certain age where you you can't drink fizzy drinks anymore. You can't drink, you know, Coca-Cola and, and, and all of those. Because they've got too much sugar in. Oh, They're see, really right, bad yeah, for you, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. So you kind of progress into soda water. Hmm. And I love the idea of just having soda water, tequila and a bit of uh, lime. Oh, it's lovely. It sounds really good. So traditionally, that's made with a Mexican, sparkling Mexican mineral water called Topo Chico. Oh, Topo Chico. But I, I looked and it's I can't find it anywhere. Oh. So we've got Italian. We've got San Pellegrino. Oh, is that, is that Italian San Pellegrino? Yeah. It's kind of like the soda water, isn't it? It's the one, isn't it, these days? I was wondering, what happened to Perrier? It's like you used to see Perrier everywhere. Yeah. Can you still get it? I don't know. Maybe San Pellegrino took over. Maybe they're like the cartel of the soda water Perry. and they've swallowed it up. Maybe there was like a huge gang warfare of soda water and now that all that's left is San Pellegrino. I always think when you get San Pellegrino in a glass bottle, it's always so much better than in a plastic bottle, even though it makes no difference to the taste. I've often wondered that about because I think most things in glass bottles taste better. I do. I think actually the, the taste of the plastic comes through. I think there is something. Yeah. I think you get something from plastic. So Agua Caliente was this big resort and there was a casino and there was a spa and a racetrack and it was the place to go in the 1920s. And one of the reasons for that is that 1920s, prohibition, couldn't get alcohol in America. And also in California, gambling was illegal. Right. In the southern part of California, Baja California, which was in Mexico, gambling and alcohol were legal. So I didn't realise... And it was only a two-hour drive from Los Angeles. Oh, wow. Okay. in two hours, you can go from Los Angeles to Mexico right. and indulge yourself. Right. And it was a big place with, like, all the film stars. Um, Louis B. Mayer, who we talked about in the Greta Garbo episode. Yeah. He used to go there. Gene Harlow, Laurel and Hardy, Charlie Chaplin. Oh, right. They all used to go and hang, they all used to go and hang out in Agua Caliente. What about the Truckle Brothers? Were they? They were there as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, that's that's interesting about California because um, all of California at one point was was owned by Mexico, wasn't it? Mexico went as far as yeah. California, and then yeah. at some point at the some Americans point, pushed them back down. Yeah. Yeah. Or push them down, not yeah. back down, but push them no, down. No, just push them out. Yeah. Push them out, yeah. So there used to be 
Baja California and is there is Baja California still existing? Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. So that's where Tuana is. Tuana. So What's... this, so Agua Caliente is just outside of Tuana. Right. It was like one of the one of the first sort of luxury resorts. Oh, really? And this I found quite incredible. The whole place was designed by a twenty-one-year-old architect. Really? Twenty-one years old. Oh my god! It was his first commission. And his name was Wayne McAllister. And Wayne McAllister later became really famous as one of the main architects of that kind of 50s Americana style architecture that we love. Oh, right. Interesting. And I found out the name of that. What is it? It's called Googie Architecture. Googie. And Googie, the, that name comes from a coffee shop called Googie's. Oh, right. And it was the first place to have that style, although he didn't invent it. He then took over and became like one of the most prominent Googie architects. Oh, right. That's interesting. And so he designed Agua Caliente Resort. Yeah. And then in the 1940s, he designed El Rancho Vegas which was the very first resort hotel on the Las Vegas Strip. Yeah. But 21. Yeah. Who gets a job designing a, an entire casino resort at 21? Well, it's kind of crazy, actually, because um, funny enough, I was watching a documentary on Turner the other day. Okay, yeah. The famous English painter. And they were talking about his watercolour technique, about how amazing it was because he was getting ranges of depth and tonal quality that a lot of watercolor painters weren't getting at the time yeah and his were really unique in that and it really hit home to me these kind of artists who uh, and creators who were just you know so prolific at, at such a young age because he was only 21 at, at the time right, right. and so they're looking at these watercolor paintings and they worked out the way that he did them is that it would have been too convoluted to have had you know like 50 colors on a palette yeah and because when you with watercolor when you paint you would have to clean your brush every time you mix every time you go to a new color mm. and with watercolor it's very easy to contaminate the colors together mm. so they worked out that what he did he was incredibly prolific as well he was one of the most touring artists of, of that era and he would go out and sketch on site because he thought painting on site was just took too long okay go back to his studio and then he would draw them out and he would have them in a really big studio all the paintings in a circle all mm. the way around him and he would take one color and go i think a little bit there do a little square there little square there little square there almost like a production line yeah and then go to the next one little square there little square there almost like his own paint by numbers right yeah. and would do all of that in one tonal and then go back and then the first one would have dried have darkened a little bit and then do another little square and he would do that on say like you know 30 40 paintings wow and just go through the colour ranges that way. And you think, God, he was like 21 when he was doing that. That's amazing. Like, absolutely just mind-boggling. And that's how he got such an amazing tonal ranges. Yeah. And then I was thinking about myself, and I was thinking, like, fuck, I'm nearly 40, and I've not done anything like that. <laughs> just like, oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, like there's these people in history that are talked about throughout history because they did stuff like that at such a young age, isn't it? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that makes me think of this duo, musical duo called Dommy and J.D. Beck. Right. You heard of them? No. So Dommy is a French female keyboard player. Right. And J.D. Beck is an American drummer. And they both started playing their instrument before the age of five. Right. And now in there, they're in the early, they're in the early twenties. Yeah. 
And they're like, fucking incredible. Are they? And they look so relaxed and chilled out. Right. And yet what they're playing is so complicated. Really? And I was looking at some of the videos the other day and I was just thinking, if I was a drummer and I just looked at him, I'd just give up. Right, right. It's like, I, I'm never going to be as good as that. Right, right, right. Or her. Right. You know, I've watched her playing like double keyboards and yeah. she's playing bass as well as the key- two layers of keyboards and playing all different sounds, switching between sounds. I've, I've noticed they're like this. like two child prodigies who formed their own group. They're wow. fucking amazing. Were they related? No, 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 they just met and just hit it off. Were you going to show me some? I thought you were going to show no, me I some. No, I wasn't going to show you some, because I don't think you'd like the music. It's a bit noodly, it's a bit jazzy. <laughs> a bit noodly. You don't like jazz, do you? I don't mind jazz if it's good. It's like, um... Like a jazz version of, uh, The Prodigy. Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, he's kind of definitely influenced by some drum and bass and modern drumming rather as much as old drumming. Yeah, it's kind of bonkers. Something I've noticed on the internet, on social media, is like these ultra amazing, and they're really quite young, a lot of them, guitar players, and they play acoustic guitar. There was one guy who did a cover of... Um, and I'm never gonna dance again. Da-da-da-da. Oh, right. Who's that by? By George Michaels, isn't it? Yeah, is, is that is Careless Whisper, isn't it? Is that Careless Whisper? Yeah. Yeah. And he you know, does it as an acoustic. And, and when he plays it, you know, he bends the the tuning head, the machine head at the top, and then back, and back up. So he's literally playing the tuning pegs yeah. to change the sound. Yeah, wow. or just on some parts of it. Yeah, right. And, and then and then doing pinch harmonics. He's also, as he's playing it, he's doing the rhythm of, of slapping the guitar. Right. And he's also kind of doing it, uh, playing a lot of it one-handedly as well. Right. So actually, when you look at it, it looks like he's not really playing it because he's doing a lot of hidden notes with pinch harmonics and yeah. all sorts of crazy techniques and it was absolutely mind-bogglingly amazing i was just like that is incredible but it it actually stresses me out watching it because the idea of having to tune it perfectly as you're playing it and do all those things yeah, it actually it, it creates an anxiety in me. So whilst I'm I'm finding it incredible, I'm really enjoying it. I've also got this residual anxiety underneath because I play guitar and I know how difficult all of that is, mm. and I just couldn't do anything like that. I, mm. I can't. I can barely tune my guitar as it is anyway, <laughs> let alone do it mid-song frequently. Yeah. And then I saw another guy who was doing something and. And it was like, it was like that, but, you know, times a hundred. It was like, you know, like the one-upmanship has gotten even crazier. And he was going, and doing all these harmonics and stuff. But then I listened to it and I was just like, yeah, but there's nothing tuneful in that. Ah, well, yes. You know, you're doing these things amazing. You're playing it super fast. You're doing all of this incredible stuff. But the thing that the other guy had is that he was playing a really lovely song created by Mr. George Michaels. You know, he, he was he was brilliant. Um, 
you know, the, the there's I've a tune. Say, I really hate that song. Do you? I hate it. Oh, I think it's a beautiful song. Really? Yeah. I think there's a lot of melody in it. And I think, you know, sometimes the most beautiful, the most amazing things are actually the simplest. Actually, like, yeah. the complexity of it is just there for show. And actually, the real genius is in sometimes something that has something so evocative in the simplest of ways. I, d- I totally agree with that. You just hate the song. I just really dislike the song. <laughs> I can see why it's a, it's a well-made song, but I, I really hate it. Why? I don't really like ballads that much. I'm very picky of the ballads that I like. I mean, the, the greatest ballad is um, Tenacious D, um, the greatest song in the world. But it's not. It's the tribute. Because tribute is such a funny idea, though, as well, isn't it? <laughs> well, I couldn't remember the greatest song in the world. This isn't it. This is just a tribute. tribute yeah. I just love that idea. <laughs> yeah. I think that was when Jack Black was, like, at his game, wasn't it? That was when he was at the top of his game. Yeah. The last bit about Agua Caliente before we move on. As well as showbiz guests, it also attracted sports stars, politicians and gangsters. Two of the regular visitors were Al Capone and Bugsy Siegel. And Bugsy Siegel, he cited Agua Caliente as his inspiration for building the Flamingo, which was the very first luxury hotel in Las Vegas. Oh, right, okay. And the reason I'm dropping that in is because it links to part of the story of the modern tequila sunrise. Also, just before we go on, I love the idea of like a mob crime boss like Al Capone needing to go on holiday do you know what I mean I just never think of them as someone who's like God I need a holiday from this work but obviously they they love their holiday it's very stressful being an evil crime lord do you think maybe that's maybe that's why I find my life stressful because I don't have enough holidays not that being an illustrator is anywhere near the same stress levels as an evil crime lord but maybe that's it maybe I just need more holidays in my life Pensaba que tal vez me amabas, pero ahora lo sé Y ya yo no puedo esperar para verte otra vez Cada vez que reviso el buzón, tengo que contenerme Espero tus cartas con ansia de volverte a tener Estoy en el cielo Okay, so the tequila sunrise, the modern version. So the sun has set and it's re-risen. It's re-risen. And this is the drink that basically brought tequila to America, brought it kind of to the world. Oh, really? Put tequila on the map. Really, this drink? The tequila sunrise. So who was this invented by? Two guys in the early 70s called Bobby Lozoff and Billy Rice. Two guys who are working at the Trident Bar in Sausalito, California. Oh, okay. And, yeah, there's not much to say about it because it's so simple. Right. Orange juice, tequila, and a sink of grenadine. Oh, and that's how you get the classic sunrise. Yeah, the sunrise effect. And you were telling me earlier that this drink has to be made with freshly squeezed orange juice. Well, I think it's a much better drink if you use fresh. Have you ever tried a fresh orange juice tequila sunrise? No, I haven't. This is the first. So. Go for it. You, now you tell me if this is better than what you've had Do I have to mix before. it up or... 
You don't mix this one up. You can. I've mixed up a little bit. You can mix it up a bit more. Oh, wow. Yeah, the fresh orange juice, it has a brightness to it. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you have a piece of music and you change the EQ on your stereo mm. just to make it sound that little bit nicer. And I think oranges now are much sweeter than they used to be. And particularly those big oranges that you got, mm. where you get a lot of juice from them. Yeah. Because I'm always surprised to how little juice you get even out of a giant orange. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I was saying to you, do I need to squeeze any more? Like, <laughs> it's yeah. like you're like trying to get every bit of juice out of it. But I think the difference is, is that fresh orange juice has a zinginess to it. Do you know what I mean? It, it, uh, yeah, it doesn't okay. have the same fluffiness to it. No, it doesn't. I, I drank two the other day and yeah. I had like a fresh orange one. Yeah. I'd never had a fresh orange one. Right. Tried that and was like, oh, wow. So as soon as I, after I'd had the fresh one, I tried it with one made with a carton of orange juice. Right. And it just tasted dead. Right. It was so different. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm not going back. I'm, I, I'm not going back to carton orange juice in my tequila sunrise. I don't think it's as good as the original. No, it isn't. But it's a tasty drink. It's a, it's a lovely tasty drink. And, you know, tequila sunrise, yeah, I can see why it's so popular. I can see why it made tequila so popular because it's a very easy drink super easy um but i think the original recipe just had a i think it just had a sort of a spark to it that maybe this in comparison doesn't have this is this just feels a bit more simple it just feels a bit easier a bit sort of like i mean i think the first one feels like a cocktail yes it feels like it's got some sophistication and craft yeah to it this feels more like a, a mixed drink Yes, a bit, a bit like a JD and Coke, or a, exactly, yeah, 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 yeah which like is that. absolutely fine, but it's just not in the same level. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think orange always like any drinks that contain orange juice. It's a funny ingredient to mix with. It doesn't play very well with other ingredients. You don't right. find orange juice in that many cocktails. Is that right? But it was definitely more cocktails in like the Prohibition era and the 70s. I mean, this is a totally 70s drink, which is all about sugar and fruit juice. Right. And put sugar and fruit juice together and then mix some spirit in it. Hey, you've got a cocktail. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. I mean, I think the thing that's great about a Tequila Sunrise is that it's a very easy to drink, nice to make, it's fun to look at. Is is I think it's yeah. one of those cocktails that, you know, when you're at a cocktail party or you've got some friends around, it's like, hey, let's make some Tequila Sunrises. Yeah. Nice, easy drink yeah. and fun, you know. Yeah, it, I is, think that's, it is fun. I think that's why it's like nice and accessible, isn't it? And for the summer, it's perfect. And I think, you know, the nice thing about the freshly squeezed juice is it just makes it feel like a little bit healthier for some reason. You feel yeah. like you're getting some nutrients. <laughs> yeah, it's true, yeah. And I just think orange and tequila, they are such a lovely harmony because the orange brings out the pepperiness of tequila. Yeah, they, they complement each other well. They do, don't they? Yeah, they do. Like, it's just yeah. a nice balance of them knitting together. It's like a nice tango dance with each other, isn't it? Yeah. Nice Zumba. I like the way you're dancing. <laughs> I'm doing a little yeah. dance as I'm talking about it. Talking of Zumba just made me think that at work now, you know, like a Thursday evening, we have historical fencing. Yeah, I need in, to do that. In the room next door, there's now going to be Zumba dancing. Is that right? I love that combo. <laughs> Zumba and historical fencing. Oh my god, you could like go to alternate classes each week 
and then bring in a bit of Zumba to the yeah. fencing and a bit yeah. of fencing to the Zumba. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what? I've, I've been wanting to do a bit of Zumba or something for a long time. Guess what one of my favourite dance movies is. Uh, <laughs> no idea. Is, is there Zumba going on in it? There's all sorts going on in it. Is it? Is it one of those like really obscure, like Street Dance 3 Zumba magicians or something? <laughs> You're very close. Am I? Yeah, my favourite uh, dance movie is Step Up 3, 3D. I am close. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I fucking love it. Like, I mean, atrocious acting, atrocious story. But I watch it. I've watched it several times now for the dance moments. And right. I really love the dancing in it. I love the break dancing and, and the, there's a guy who who does like amazing like where, where where he makes everything look like he's going in slow motion but everyone's like I don't know how they do it it's almost like the frame rate changes for him do you know what I wow. mean I just find it incredible and then and then at the end they do there's a bit where they're dancing in water and there's a there's a guy in there called Cloud something um, and he was a dancer for um, Madonna but he did an oh. amazing Sif advert Sif yeah what's Sif you know Sif the the cleaner spray oh really. I mean, I like him because he's very attractive as well. So I might have had a little bit of a crush on him. But um, the the advert is, is that he's working in this grimy auto mechanic car place. Yeah. And at the end of the shift, the guy's like, clean it up because he's like the new guy, whatever. And then he's got a bottle of two bottles of Sif in his hand. And he goes, yeah, all right then. And then starts squirting around. And then it turns into kind of almost like footloose. And he's like doing these amazing dance routines wow. whilst cleaning everything. And then right at the very end, everything's totally spotlessly like bright, white, clean. And it's just an incredible... <laughs> Incredible dance routine. It's incredible, like, and funnily enough, just before I met Josh, I had watched this for the first time, and I was right. so enthralled with it that I was looking to join street dance groups to see if I could learn how oh, to wow. do it. And the one that I found in Brighton was on the same night that me and Josh used to meet up for date night. Okay. So it was either go to that or meet up with Josh. So I chose to go to meet with Josh. You gave up your dance um, career. I gave up my dance. But I think, to be honest, at 29, learning to street dance, I don't think you can really yeah. pull a career in at that age, can you? <laughs> well, mate, well, you know. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? I don't, I don't regret one minute. I've, you know, my relationship with Josh is so much more important than that. But maybe I've come to the stage in life where it would be quite good to learn a bit of Zumba or something yeah. because I'm sat at a desk all week and I'm getting fatter and fatter and slower and slower. Just get those hips moving, you know, and just like learn to just, you know, express a bit. Do you know what I mean? I can see you doing Zumba. I mean, I can't do any break dancing because I've got broken wrists. So <laughs> can you imagine oh, that? Yeah. I was going to say, because we, we we also doing capoeira classes as well. But Oh, is that the, the Brazilian fighting, dance fighting? Yeah, but you, you need to put your hands on the ground a lot for that. Yeah, I can so do that. So you can't do that. I, I think I'd show my butt crack too much as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, to do those sort of things, you have to have a level of gymnasticism. I think there's room for a plumber's capoeira. Class. <laughs> <laughs> no, a, build, a builder's bum capoeira <laughs> <Yeah>. class. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> well, it was funny because um, a few couple of months ago, I was I was like, oh, you know what? Because Step Up 3 came up on the TV again and I watched it. Oh, I really want to see and, it because um, as you were talking about, I'm pretty sure I've heard, like, one of my movie podcasts I listened to. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard people raving about it. Really? It rings a bell. The dancing yeah. in it is, is, is amazing. The acting and the story, as I say, is really, really bad. I think that's what I've heard. Yeah. That, yeah. 
but the dancing is meant to be amazing. Yeah. yeah. I really yeah. want to see it. He came on TV again and I watched yeah. it and Josh was like, God, are you watching this movie again? Like, how many times <laughs> have you seen this? And I went online and I was looking for street dance class because I was like, yeah. you know what? Even though I'm, I'm approaching 40, I can do this. And there was one down on the marina and I emailed them saying, like, I'm a bit confused about your timetable and your prices and everything. Yeah. And they were like, um, to be honest, we don't really cater for adults. Um, oh, <laughs> I mean, you can come down and join the kids' classes, and I was thinking that would just be weird. Can you imagine, like, be a forty-year-old man no. dancing with like ten-year-olds? It'd be like, I, I think there's don't like, do that. <laughs> don't do that. No, that's just beyond weird. Yeah, like, um, so yeah, I think it's kind of a bit difficult, really. I, I think... like the way that like, you can come down. <laughs> yeah, all inclusive. <laughs> <laughs> if you really want it, you can come down. <laughs> do I tell you about that time when I went to? I was looking for swimming pools in Brighton right and I found that there was like one quite near me okay as opposed to the big leisure centre ones oh is that the one up on um, in Hanover yeah do you know it mm. have I told you this story no I've never, I've never been to it but you might have done but yeah go on so it's attached to a school yes. so one afternoon I thought why do I need to go to leisure centre I'll just go to this one it's yeah. just only up the road yeah yeah so I went there my first clue that something was not quite right was right. when I went into the changing room yeah and every Everything was at waist height. <laughs> like all the coat hooks were at waist height. And I'm thinking, well, it's next to a school. You know, yeah. there's kids that go in there. And so I go in the swimming pool and in, and the deep end came up to like my belly button. <laughs> but I'm like, you know, I've made all this effort to be here now. And there's no one else there. Right. Other than one lifeguard <laughs> sitting by the edge of the pool, just watching you. Yeah, and I and I Weird. and I one and I'm thinking I'm not going to be beaten by this. I'm going to yeah. do my laps. Yeah, yeah. But I do say to the guy at one point, "I'm going to be all right. You don't need to watch me." And he just went, "I have to be here, mate." <laughs> So I just carried on for as long <laughs> as I could stand the embarrassment. <laughs> it was a very humiliating experience. Was it? Yeah. So, so, but they obviously allowed you in. They obviously have adults it's going in It's a public there. pool. It's a yeah, public pool. Yeah, but everything was just... Just tiny. Munchkin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny because I, I was thinking about going swimming and I phoned that place up. Oh, right. And the receptionist was so abrasive. I just felt like I got so much attitude from her. I just was like I'm not going to bother uh, she's trying to pick um, anyway that was Adric <laughs> Helms oh yeah yeah your children's dance class yeah 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 I like the idea though of like of, of dancing like because I think it's quite a good quite a good way of kind of keeping fit but in a fun way yeah I'm trying to think of stuff that I can do to keep to get my fitness back in a more enjoyable way because the idea of going to the gym just doesn't appeal to me mm. and I and as you know I really enjoy boxing but I can't do boxing now because of my wrists and also I, I came to the realisation having gone to another boxing club that the boxing club I went to was such a an anom anomaly in time you know right. it was because of the owner Diggory was such a okay. fantastic bloke to make a kind of quite an inclusive feeling space for right. you know gay people you had a gay boxing club there and you know you had all sorts of people that went there because I went when I went to the other boxing club I sort of walked in and it smelled like man pits Right. I mean, I kind of quite liked it because it was like gruff man smell. But like everyone in there just was just seemed tough. Oh, I was okay. just like, I don't feel right. Yeah. And then the guy looked at me and was like, how old are you, mate? I was like, oh, I'm 37. He went, yeah. 
Yeah, all right. Well, just just take it easy, all right? You know, <laughs> I was just like, don't have a heart attack. You know, right, we'll, we'll right. get you through this. But I think all these things, you come to an end of life with things, and actually, you just kind of have to admit that that phase of your life has come to an end, and you just need to move on from it yeah. and find something else, isn't find it? Find something else. Yeah. You know what worked for you a few years ago, and funny enough, that's what we were talking about before the episode, wasn't it? The way you used to think when you're younger just stops working at a certain point. It's weird. I'm, I'm finding like I'm, I'm going sure. through such a midlife crisis at the moment but I haven't got the money to buy a big red sports car so what do you do? Grin and bear it my friend. <laughs> In the best way possible. <laughs> Shit. <Yeah. laughs> so you were talking earlier about how tequila became so famous with this. How yeah. did that happen? Is there a story behind it? There is a little story, yeah. You can blame the Rolling Stones. Oh, really? Yeah. So this bar that these guys worked in, the Trident Bar in Sausalito, apparently, I don't know if this is true, but apparently at that time, it was the biggest importer of tequila in America. This one bar imported more tequila than anywhere else in America. Right. And in 1972, the Rolling Stones are about to kick off a North American tour. And there's a famous American promoter called Bill Graham. Oh, Bill Graham. The guy who, mm. not the same guy who owns the um, place in San Francisco. The Fillmore? The Fillmore. Or Fillmore, yeah. I had a guided tour around there with the art director. I didn't right. about the posters when I did my internship out there. Because the Fillmore, they're one of the few venues to commission a poster artist to do a poster for each show. And they would have a run of litho. Um, posters printed right and um, yeah he would commission an artist to make a poster they would get a run done and then as you go around the film or they've got floor to ceiling high and these these are like 12 foot ceilings all the walls have the posters on and nice. so you see from the 60s to the present day oh, and you get to see all the art change through the eras it's like a rock museum it's a rock it is a rock museum yeah of, yeah, of, of American of San Francisco culture so it was yeah. Bill Graham then yeah he was the so he was like a promoter in the 60s in San Francisco they got the Fillmore and the Winterland Ballroom and they turned them into these psychedelic rock venues wow they put on like the Grateful Dead and Jefferson Airplane Janis Joplin oh incredible you've been there you know, they, I mean, that they started that scene, yeah, because they created the place where those bands could play. Wow, god, that's fascinating! So, yeah, he was a big promoter and he was he put on this party for the Rolling Stones at this bar where they first tried the Tequila Sunrise. The story is that Mick Jagger had one and then he introduced it to the rest of the band, right? And they renamed their tour the Cocaine and Tequila Sunrise Tour. Oh, wow! And then I think like the next year, Jose. Cuervo, you know, the tequila makers. Yeah. The next year, on the back of their bottle, they put the recipe for a tequila sunrise. Right. Like, here's a here's a simple drink that anyone can make. All yeah. you need is orange juice, a bit of grenadine. So they put the recipe on their bottle. I think the next year also, the Eagles wrote a song called Tequila Sunrise. Right, okay. And so really, that year was when, yeah, tequila established itself in America. So what, what year was that again? 1973. 1973. 1972 was the, the Stones party. 73 was the Jose Cuervo and the Eagles song. And the last thing, so Bill Graham, he had a few cameos in movies. Right. So you've seen Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Do you remember the Playboy Bunnies scene? There's like a big USO show, a helicopter lands and the Playboy Bunnies come out dancing. Yeah, I think so. 
He's the promoter in that. Oh, He's right. the guy who introduces them. Right. He co-produced and had a role in The Doors. Oh, you know, right. The Oliver okay. Stone film The Doors. And linking back to Agua Caliente, in the film Bugsy, yeah. there's a scene where Lucky Luciano... Right is talking about Bugsy Siegel trying to build this casino in Las Vegas, right. the Flamingo. Okay. And it's Bill Graham who plays Lucky Luciano. And so it links way. back to the first Tequila Sunrise. Yeah, so he's in a film where they're telling the story of that casino being built. <laughs> right. That, that was inspired by the place where the first Tequila Sunrise came Oh, from. wow, weird. There's this weird. weird linking there. There you go, that's it. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's that's. And you showed me, because um, you sent me prior to the episode, what was it like a news report or a, a, an insight into the Rolling Stones and this was back it was back in black and white it was in that year you know, I just found a clip from 1972 of, yeah of like a, yeah a bit of news reportage but I thought it was interesting because it, it felt more like a documentary it really did I think like nowadays more so than ever particularly with social media really changing um, the way that we view things there was so much more nuance there was so much more kind of like looking and making your own decisions hmm. about what was happening. Whereas now I feel like everything's very manufactured. Everything is, all the answers are curated. Normally when stars are interviewed, they know what questions are going to be asked before they yeah. even get there. And there was an incredible, like, awkwardness in yeah, that. Yeah. You know, just the Rolling Stones kind of, like, milling around and sort of not knowing whether to say hi or not. And and, yeah. and then, they, you know, seeing Mick Jagger kind of go up and being, like, giving, like, a weird fumbled handshake. And, you know, yeah, yeah. something I, I do find from that era is is the pretension of cool as well. Like, I find this from the era, is that the, there was a manufactured coolness. You know, the guitarist, um, Keith Richards, you know, everything I'm just going to say is, like, just really throw away and like you know i just was like walking down the street and he was like hey come here and play something and i was like i don't really want to play i'm just gonna play something and, and then they're like hey that's really cool man i like what you're playing and then we just play stuff and yeah you know i don't really like think about the music much i mean he plays a little bit and then i play a bit and then sometimes and then we just come together and play a bit more and that's then, do you know what i mean it's th weird that it's sounds just... exactly like keith richards did it yeah as boring and banal as <laughs> yeah. keith richards gets yeah. yeah it's like you're not really saying anything you're not putting you're, you're, you're purposely not putting any energy into it or any enthusiasm because that's not cool and I find very much from that era that was the idea of what cool was, it was just to be really it? unenthusiastic yeah. about what you're doing and even Mick Jagger tries to be like that I'm not a lover of the Stones I like 60s Stones you know they haven't made a really good song in like 40 years it yeah, baffles yeah. me why yeah. anyone would want to go and see the Rolling Stones what well, nowadays god yeah. i've watched clips of them it's not no it's awful don't, i find it funny because in in that um newsreel like they talk about how keith richards like lives a life where he won't live beyond 70 <laughs> yeah right <laughs> and yeah. he's like fucking hell he's still going what he's is he, like he's getting on for 90 or something yeah, he looks like he's a member of pirates of the caribbean yeah. like, doesn't he yeah do you know what i mean he was in it oh god he was as well yeah, wasn't he yeah. like is that what um jack sparrow is that what um thingy modeled himself on well there's certainly the joke because he plays his dad 
Oh, does he? That's, yeah, that's oh, who right. he plays in Pirates of the Caribbean. Keith Richards plays Jack oh, Sparrow's right. dad. Because the thing is, I find about Johnny Depp is that Johnny Depp has played Jack Sparrow so much that he's become Jack Sparrow. He's become, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's kind of weird. And and I think we, did we talk about this in the last episode because um, there is something like Austin Powers, you know, the whole thing of like, you know, like, you know, babe, I, you can have bad teeth and still be a sex symbol, babe. And when yeah, I looked yeah. at that, that was the thing that popped into my head is that like, yeah, the Rolling Stones had really awful teeth. They did, yeah. But they were, and Mick Jagger's not a good-looking guy at all. But he was hailed as the sex symbol. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Keith Richards was better looking, but again, god awful teeth. Really, really bad. I'm not saying that you can't have bad teeth. I'm, I, I'm not being mean like that. Yeah. But it's just an interesting thing. Whereas, like nowadays, you're just not allowed to have that are you at all do you no. know what I mean I think the Rolling Stones always used to be this, the word that comes to mind is manky manky they always used right. to look a bit manky a bit manky <laughs> and I love the 60s Rolling Stones and the, the dark and weird Rolling Stones right that was right. my favourite period right. of them but yeah a bit manky and a bit, bit manky yeah a bit dirty and manky it was, it was, there was a weird thing in that you're going to get sued by the Rolling Stones now yeah potentially yeah <laughs> I'd love that though it'd be great great, um, great promotion yeah. wouldn't it there's something like a bit weird in that video that you said me as well where they're talking about girls and Mick Jagger's like yeah you know like sometimes there's girls sometimes there's not you know I don't really care you know sometimes they make a big thing of us and then they cut to the manager talking about it and he's just like yeah no there's not been any girls this time but <laughs> do you know what I mean or oh, something really? yeah right. like I don't know they all sort of contradict themselves a bit <laughs> it was like they all hadn't got their stories straight right, right. do you know what I mean <laughs> uh, is it time to bring the princess on yeah I mean it's got to midnight is that hello darlings i come out at midnight that's when the sun is rising for me right okay darlings so are you ready to play who wants to be a cocktail As you know, listeners, I will give you a cocktail recipe and I will give you three cryptic clues. You must tell me the cocktail and you must tell me what I'm talking about from the three cryptic clues. Okay. If you get the cocktail right, you get 10,000 adulation points. Get the cryptic clues right, you get 10,000 adulation points. Get them both together and you win 50,000 adulation points. And this week, there's a slight little twist on it because okay. I'm going to be asking you, who is the song? song by and what is the song that's the three cryptic clues and it's a song and a band and the cocktail is named after the song yes okay <laughs> right. okay and also remember it always ties into the episode so if you are okay. struggling think about the episode okay. and it will help you in your quest Right. right. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. For the cocktail, it is one and a half parts of mezcal, half a part of maraschino, three quarters parts of grapefruit juice, half a part of lime juice, and one pinch of salt. Shake all the ingredients with ice, strain into a chilled cocktail glass, and garnish with a lime wheel. Yeah, sounds nice. It's a bit like a Mezcal Hemingway daiquiri. Is it really? Yeah. Okay, and remember, this week, it's a song and a band. You need to get the song and the band right. Okay. It's very important that you get the band right. Are you ready? Cryptic clue number one. I've been the ruin of many in a lonely house that your parents said you should never enter. Cryptic clue number two, a song older than the hills, and since then I've been on the strings of tongues of many a poor boy. 
and cryptic clue number three. It was only when the beast bit down that I became the cult hit that's still played today. And those are your three cryptic clues. I think I know. Oh! I well, think so. save it until next time. Okay. But if you get it correct and you think you know the answer, and even if you don't think you know the answer and you just want to message me, you can email in your answer to nogarnish at fastmail.fm or you can message it in on Instagram at nogarnishpod. And remember to give us a little like, subscribe and follow. Awesome. Okay, very yeah, good. Cool. So, thank you very much for playing Who Wants to Be a Cocktail? I'm off now. Goodbye, darlings. Lovely to see you all. Can I have a little bit of your drinky? Oh, delicious. One of my favourites. I like it up my bum, that one. Goodbye. See you later. <laughs> can't say that. <laughs> like an enema. Tequila sunrise enema. Yes, I'm going off to my house bar. I'm going to have it as an enema. Mm, delicious. Mm, oh, goodbye. <laughs> Can I not say that? No, I'm going to keep that in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so everyone, um, last week's Who Wants to Be a Cocktail was Singing in the Rain. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. And if you got the cocktail right, the cocktail was Sipping in the Rain. Oh, it was, oh right. It was different. Mm, okay. Do you see what I did there? Yeah, I see. Mm, very clever. So the clues were, cryptic clue number one, a glorious feeling to bring sound into silence. Well, of course, the whole film was about what we were talking about in the episode. The transition from silent movies into talkies. Indeed. And, of course, it was a glorious feeling. I'm happy again. again. Uh, the second one, I tippy-toed the tippy-tapped with grace and splendour in Milk Not Water. Yeah, what was that about? So, famously, the scene where he tiptoes, dances... What's it called? Tap dancers. Tap dancers in the rain. In the rain. Right. The water had milk added to it so that you could see it on camera. Really? Yeah. Wow. And apparently the milk went off. It was horrible. And it was fucking disgusting. <laughs> oh, tap dancing in rancid milk. <laughs> milk water, yeah. Wow. Because the, the, the take took forever, apparently, to get it right. Yeah. Um, and I think famously from memory, Gene Kelly did it with pneumonia or he got pneumonia from that because he was drenched in, in cold water because the, obviously the water's cold as well. Yeah. It's not going to be warm. Um, so, yeah, that was quite a famous yeah. thing. Can, before you move on, yeah. just linking to that song. Yeah. So that's a really old song. It's much older than the, the Singing in the Rain, the musical. Oh, is it? Yeah. And there's a version that I found the first time it was in the film. Oh, right. No way. I didn't which know was this. like an old black and white, I think it was called something like the Hollywood Review or something in the 20s. And there's this dance number to that song. Yeah. And it's just beautiful. Is it? I'll dig it up and I'll, find, I'll put a link to it in the episode description. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's like on a sound stage, but they've got these like lightning effects and there is water. Right. It looks spectacular. Oh, wow. Very cool. Oh, wow. More, so more sort of Busby Berkeley-esque. Is it? But the way they've used the effects of lightning and water. Yeah. It's like way ahead of its time. God, that's amazing. I love yeah. to see that. I had no idea that it was a cover, that song. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know. It had been, it's actually, 
I think in the movie Singing in the Rain was about the fourth time it had been used in a movie. No way! Yeah. That's crazy. And of course, like to bring it to modern times, Tom Holland did an amazing rendition of oh, it. Oh, that's incredible, yeah. Um, and if you haven't seen it, it was on, uh, what was it? Oh, uh, Lip Sync. Lip Sync. Lip Sync Battles, wasn't yes. it? Yes, yeah. And what he does is he starts off doing Singing in the Rain because he is a tap dancer. He, can, he comes from a musical theatre oh, background. I didn't know that. Well, he was Billy Elliot as a child oh, in the Billy he? Elliot musical. Nine. Yeah, so Nine. that's why he rose to fame so quickly is because he's actually a child star yeah. in theatre. And yeah, he starts off doing that, doesn't he? And then the rain comes down and then he rips off his coat and he's dressed in raunchy ladies' underwear, isn't he? It's like amazing. lingerie. Yeah, and then he yeah. goes into um, Umbrella. Um, umbrella. Um, and it's an amazing dance routine that he does, isn't it? I saw that and I was just blown away. Yeah. I couldn't believe how good a dancer he was. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Actually, funny enough, he was talking about that because his dad, Dominic Holland, is quite a famous um, comedian. And um, his dad said to him before he did that, he was like, he actually implored Tom not to do it. Really? He said, yeah, he said, don't do it because this is going to make you really famous. And I don't oh, know if right. you're ready for the fame yet because he was quite young. And then Tom was like, no, 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 I am ready. Hang on, has he done Spider-Man by this point? No. Oh, he did that before Spider-Man? I think he did do it before Spider-Man, yeah. Oh, I didn't realise yeah, yeah. that. Right. I so. think so. I'm pretty sure he did. But I don't know, maybe, maybe we'll have to fact check on that. And also, right. mm. one other thing. Did you ever see the BMW? I think it was BMW or Volkswagen uh, advert that um, did Singing in the Rain. Oh, Some, you showed me. This other one you showed me. I think I showed it to you, didn't I? It was in the 2010s, that, or the 2000s. And that's amazing as well, because they modernized it with a breakdance kind of version oh that's great yeah and again you know what i'm talking about yeah. how breakdancers can look like they're in different time frames because there's a bit where he clicks his fingers and it looks right. like he's in a different time frame. Sort of popping and locking popping and locking at yeah. the same time but what they did is they superimposed gene kelly's face onto him oh is that how they did it yeah right so it was kind of like an early deep fake really yeah it was really really yeah. good advert yeah yeah it's very cool um, and the last clue mm. was, on stage I was charismatic, cool and collected, but off camera a cruel powerhouse who demanded it all to be perfected. And the thing behind that is that Gene Kelly, whilst he was loved on screen, mm. backstage, he was a massive tyrant, apparently. He was um, neurotic about perfection. And his um, on-screen star, apparently she cried doing the dance routines with him because he would force her to do it again and again until her feet bled. Right. Um, she said it was really, really brutal. So it was kind of interesting, this idea that, you know, you think, oh, Gene Kelly, what a lovely, like, you know, man of his time, you know, handsome kind of, you know, Hollywood guy. And then actually off camera, he was the total opposite. I've got a feeling that he had really bad breath as well. I really? <laughs> I'm sure I've heard that. I'm sure I've heard that he had terrible breath. Just to, just to really punch home the horrendousness of it. So either him or Fred Astaire, or maybe both of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that in, um, have you ever seen the film Children of Men? Yeah, I've seen Children of Men. Yeah, 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 I love that film. And Clive Owen's character, like when he's ever confronted with someone who's of authority, um, he goes... God, he got terrible breath. 
And they go, no, I haven't. <laughs> and they check themselves. And it's quite a good technique, apparently, that if you're confronted right. with someone who's barking orders at you and you've got a disdain for them, is to say, God, your breath's awful. Because most people will react because no one wants bad breath. Interesting. It is interesting, isn't yeah. it? So they're, they're the cryptic clues. Yeah, they're good. I like those ones. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, last thing to do before we go. Spin the wheel of mixed fortune. Oh, I love it. I can't wait. Oh, so next time is going to be the jungle bird. The jungle bird. Thing jungle is, is massive. Woo, 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 woo. Jungle is massive. Woo, woo. Oh, I'm a big ether. fan of jungle birds. I don't know what it is. I'll keep you in suspense and tell you next episode. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Thanks to everyone for listening this episode. Yeah, thank um, you so much. Yeah, give us um, a rating, whatever platform you're listening to us on. It really helps. We really appreciate it. You can also sign up to buy me a coffee and become a secret insider, no garnish agent for us. And keep the messages coming in. We're really loving them. We love the um, messages. We love the messages. It's great. And we will endeavor to, you know, try and shout out your messages. Just bear in mind that you know the recording and when it goes out and, and when we've got your messages won't be in sync so there might be a bit of a delay you might think we're ignoring you <laughs> we're not cool all right, all right. Man. thank you so much <laughs> cheers, cheers. I don't know what the parts are. It just says that's what the parts are.